This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 820, you're tuned to WGNS. Again on this Wednesday morning, today the 4th of August. And in studio with us this morning, we have guests from the Murfreesboro Police Department. They include Lieutenant Clayton Williams, Sergeant James Abbott, and Public Information Officer Larry Flowers. Again, all in studio with us this morning. And uh, some of the items we're going to talk about this morning, some cold cases with murders and some uh, cases that I guess have seen a lot of progress as well. So I guess, Larry, you want to kind of start us off and and tell us what direction we're headed. Sure. Um, Recently, uh, we celebrated the anniversary, not necessarily celebrated, but it was the second anniversary of the murder of Terrell Ray at the Villager Condominiums on uh, Middle Tennessee Boulevard that happened August 2nd, 2019. So we uh, recently did a reenactment of the crime and uh, in hopes of you know, stirring some new leads in that particular case. Um, you know, Detective Abbott and um, Sergeant Abbott, Detective Cox have, uh, and other detectives have really worked that particular case, you know, trying to get as many leads as possible. But, you know, over time, those leads stopped coming in, and eventually, you know, we need to do something to try to spark some more leads. And by you know, doing that reenactment and then uh, even interviewing the mother, you know, which is quite, quite emotional. Um, this particular case, what's so unique about it is the victim was an innocent victim. You know, had never been in trouble. You know, he was working. He was a single father. Um, overall good uh, individual that was simply coming to Murfreesboro to visit his girlfriend and never made it to the door, you know, who was approached and someone shot him multiple times as he tried to run away and so you know we treat all of our cases uh, you know with the same you know intensity but you know this one has a special place in, in, in a lot of people's hearts there at the uh, police department wanting to get it solved uh, you know for someone who you know is innocent in all of this and not to say that you know that the other victims are not because you know nobody deserves to lose their life in this city but uh you know we're really working hard to solve all of our cold cases in particular this one as well and then in that case the victim's truck i believe was stolen but later recovered how soon after the murder was that truck recovered it was a a camaro Camaro. 2016 uh gray camaro silver camaro it uh, was recovered that morning uh the um Murder happened shortly after 3 a.m. and roughly about 4:30 a.m. Um, with the help of the uh, GPS system on with the OnStar system on that vehicle, it was found on 43rd Avenue North in Nashville at a apartment complex, and so it was recovered and uh, returned to the family after um, detectives and our crime scene technicians were able to process that vehicle, looking for fingerprints or any evidence that could hopefully lead us to a possible uh, uh, suspect. And, um, you know, Detective Abbott could probably go into more details in terms of, you know, uh, what happened after that. Yeah, and again, what was the date that that murder took place? It actually took place early morning hours of August the 2nd. 
Okay, so August 2nd, 2019 is when this all happened. Is the theft of that Camaro really the only thought as to why he was shot at this point? Uh, we believe so. Um, during the reenactment, it, it was kind of ironic. We watched the vehicle pull into the parking lot, and during the reenactment, you know, we kind of <clears throat> we had looked at all possibilities in this homicide, and and looked at different avenues and individuals that might, you know, that might had wished uh, Mr. Ray harm, and and there just was none. Uh, like Larry said, these, this gentleman here was a very uh, loved a very liked person by friends and family and uh, so during the reenactual reenactment the mother has kept the vehicle in his honor she's kept that vehicle and she brought it down here for us to use in the actual reenactment and when you see it pull in you know i i can you know i can just sit there I, it was almost like sitting there at the villager on august the 2nd 2019 and sitting there watching probably a couple of kids going let's take it and when he resisted, they shot and killed him for no reason. Is it a lot harder to uncover evidence and figure out who may have shot someone whenever the case is something like this, where uh, somebody wasn't doing anything illegal? I, I mean, there's no drugs involved. I mean, how much harder is it to solve a case like this? Cases like this are very difficult to solve when you do not have any type of information as far as um, a, a lot of times individuals who are who are victims of homicide they will know they will know the person that killed them or they will know of the person that killed them they were either going to or someone an acquaintance of theirs knew the person somehow that there there's a connection there or, or there's some type of illegal activity that that petition there's some type of illegal activity that that individual is participating in uh and so when you have just this random somebody's walking uh to an apartment and and individuals just come up behind them and shoot them uh then it is very difficult uh and at the, during the investigation i mean we've looked at a number of individuals who are responsible for auto burglaries auto thefts uh carjackings uh not only just in our city but in metro because clearly there is a metro nashville connection um, I went down to the actual scene of where the vehicle was, was located at that, that morning, um, and I can tell you right now that whoever did this has intimate knowledge of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, this was not just some, let's jump off the interstate exit here and drop the vehicle off. You had to know how to get to this area. And uh, speaking with, um, and because we do have those relationships with Metro in those situations, uh, Metro was there with us. Uh, Metro detectives uh, that we worked with, we work with closely on uh, when we have cases that that bleed over into their city. Uh, all informed us. You know, we get a lot of stolen vehicles recovered in this area. So, and they're so, and they were telling us, you know, these this is probably some of our folks or somebody from your city who's also from Nashville or, or something to that effect that knows this area. So in this case, the Mr. Ray who was shot and killed, uh, again, over looks like to be a Camaro in this case, was he shot in the back? Was he shot at close range? He was shot in the back uh, as far as range, looking at the scene itself. Uh, yeah, pro yes, probably he was shot at close range as he was trying to turn and run. 
So what is thought that happened? I mean, did he just get to the villager, get out of his car, and that's when it happened? Or was it when he was leaving the villager? No, sir. We believe that it was, uh, well, we, we know from base talking with his girlfriend and that information as well, uh, he had just arrived. Um, that was back in the day when we still had red light cameras. So we were able to actually track his movement coming into the city from Norfield and Broad on into the city at Norfield and Memorial. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why no one, he, coming down here to see his girlfriend, he had told some family members that, but really no one else knew that. So if this was somebody coming from Nashville following him to do this, do harm to him, we would have seen them on the cameras as well following him. That was not the case. This individual came down, it was se several minutes before another vehicle even passed through. Um, so we were able to watch him come in on the cameras and about the same time that he would have arrived at the villager is around the same time we got the call about the shooting. Uh, we believe that he walked up to his girlfriend's apartment. Uh, as he walked up to his girlfriend's apartment, uh, he uh, was confronted by the suspects. He dropped the, the items uh, that, his that, the sus that he had in his hands. Uh, possibly it may have been a, a, a small altercation there. He turned to try to run to his car, and the individual suspect or suspects shot him. And where is the villager located in relation to MTSU? Give us kind of a landmark and, and how to find it, where it is. Uh, the villager is right there at the corner of New Las Casas Highway and Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Um, literally, I measured it out the other day. It's about 450 feet from Middle Tennessee State University. And were there other crimes similar to this without, of course, the murder in that area in recent days? We had had some auto burglaries and a couple of auto thefts, yes. So we've, we've looked into those. We've looked at those individuals that we identified on those. Uh, and, and, of course, we, we, we questioned some of those individuals when they were being questioned by the property crime detectives as well. Is there any thought that this person who committed the murder has been back to Murphy's Bro, maybe even been back to those apartments? I mean, I believe yes. I believe that subject's been back here. I don't know if he's been to that specific apartments or not. Uh, we we knocked on every single door in that apartment complex and spoke with just about every resident um, during that investigation. We spoke to almost every resident of the next. Uh, there's another apartment complex that that, it, that is adjacent to it, and we actually knocked on every single door there and spoke to everyone there as well. And uh, during those interviews with those individuals. Um, we, we did not get the feeling that anybody from those apartments were involved. Um, now there are areas of that around that area uh, where there are some suspicious activity that does take place and, and like I said we, we followed up and we've looked into those and, and we still are actively looking into those areas and those individuals in those areas. So would this be considered a, a carjacking because he was there with the car or is it just I mean what, what would you consider this? We would, we would classify this as a carjacking. And have there been a lot of carjackings in Murfreesboro over the last couple of years? Uh, actually, one of the we had one just in, uh, in the end, near the end of 2020, uh, involving uh, individuals. We've had a couple of them where they sometimes when we say carjacking, uh, or it, it's maybe an aggravated robbery. Uh, sometimes those individuals that are involved in those, it may be like a drug deal gone bad or something of that nature where someone's robbing them, taking their car because they know the drugs are in the car or the money is in the car or something to that effect. Um, it, it's rare that we just have an outright 
stranger type carjacking situation. Uh, back to late 2020, or yes, back in late 2020, uh, we did have a uh, situation like that uh, where, excuse me, uh, an individual was, uh, had just came home from, from a party. He was a young man, uh, had just graduated high school recently, uh, and he was abducted by an individual or individuals when as they took his car and they shot him on I-24 uh, going toward Nashville near the uh, 840. He did survive. Uh, in that case, uh, the three gentlemen, uh, Joshua Holloman, Walter Williams, and Charles Walker, uh, were all identified by Detective Presley, who was the lead investigator on that case, Detective Richard Presley. And during that investigation, uh, Detective Presley learned that those individuals were involved in multiple carjack or multiple attempted carjackings and other carjackings in not just here in Rutherford County, but in Middle Tennessee. Uh, and, and so Detective Presley put the case together, uh, worked with other agencies as well, and worked with the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, ATF. And uh, just uh, recently, those three gentlemen were indicted for multiple uh, carjackings and attempted murders uh, for their activity. So those three individuals, they have not been to court yet other than being indicted. Uh, are they going to stand trial in Rutherford County or will it be Nashville? Uh, well, we actually still have charges pending against them here in this city as well, or at least uh, on, on two of them, I think, because one of the individuals uh, that I mentioned actually was we, we could not put him here with our carjacking, but we was able to link him to a carjacking attempt in Franklin. Um, and so these individuals will stand trial in Nashville in federal court for their involvement in the uh carjackings and shootings that they were involved in. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, all three gentlemen, or at least a couple of the gentlemen, were convicted felons already, and so now they were in possession of firearms as well. Um, and so they will stand trial for the federal charges in Nashville, uh, and they will also be uh, tried here or for the court cases that we still have active and open here, they'll be prosecuted here in Rutherford County as well. So which of the two face the charges specifically in Murfreesboro? Uh, I believe it's going to be uh, Joshua Hallman and Walter Williams. Okay, right. so they will, I guess, face trial after they face these other charges in other areas or maybe before, we don't know for sure, I guess. It just depends on which court is, uh, um, is able to get to them first. How common is it for somebody from Nashville to come into Murfreesboro or other areas outside of Nashville to conduct crime? I mean, do they, is this pretty consistent with folks coming in from other areas to do crime in Murfreesboro? Yes, it's very common. So why do they come here instead of staying in their own city? Well, a lot of times the individuals will come here. Uh, I mean, uh, one of the big factors that usually I have found that, that from our investigations that brings people to Murfreesboro to commit crimes is they know someone who's from Murfreesboro. Uh, like I said, again, a lot of times you have acquaintances that, that these individuals know. Um, and so one of the things that I've, I've noticed and found a lot of times is people will know someone from either jail or prison, or maybe they were even in a juvenile facility together. And so they will come from Nashville down to Murfreesboro to commit a crime uh, because they know someone from down here. Again, Sergeant James Abbott with the Murfreesboro Police Department. 
how big of a role do things like uh, you, you know these security cameras that everybody has on their front door, the Nest cameras and and Blink cameras that people have at their homes at their apartments? How big of a role do those play in help solving cases these days? They play a huge role. Uh, just just to tell you right now, it, it is incredible. Um, you know, there's a lot of things we are we are pulling when we are doing these investigations, whether it be cell phone technology or other information. Um, and, and interviewing witnesses and when we talk to witnesses you know a lot of times witnesses or and even victims they may be a victim of a crime or witness a crime and 10 minutes later they have a hard time recalling it because of the emotional stress that they have been under for being in that crime uh, but with cameras and camera systems it helps put into perspective what actually happened also it helps us uh, because we can go through a neighborhood and if people are willing to let us look at their video and give us their video we can actually put the the incident in in a lot better perspective because we have all these different cam camera angles of the actual crime as it as it before it starts as it occurs and then as it ends sometimes police will send us you know pictures or video from some of those home cameras when trying to solve a crime here locally and you know it looks like the crook the bad guy they will sometimes look directly at the camera and i'm sure they see it do they just not care i think sometimes they just don't care i mean they don't you know and and you really don't i'm sure there's a lot of things going through their minds also when they're committing that crime and so they may be looking up at that camera, but that's, you know, they may be thinking, I got to get out the door or I've got to get, you know, I've got to get to my car, you know, you know, or they're looking around at other people as well. So I'm sure there's a lot of emotional stress on them as well. And I guess half the time, those who are breaking into homes, committing crimes, they're, you know, under the influence of something, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. Is that also a big problem that plays hand in hand with the crime here? I mean, are these suspects usually on something? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, you know, not as much as you would think. Uh, a lot of times the individuals that we arrest, uh, particularly in my unit where we're doing violent crimes, uh, a lot of what is actually driving driving their their desire to commit a crime is, is emotions. They may be mad at somebody or they may be scared themselves, uh, and, and that's what's driving them to commit it. You know, you would think it would take a whole lot to really make someone mad enough to commit murder, but I'm sure there's a lot of cases where the incident that led to the murder is pretty small. It is. I mean, you may have something where, I mean, I've seen people start shooting at other people over um, uh, some years ago. I remember someone made a comment about somebody's mother in a rap song that you know because we had some different rap artists here in town and and uh different places that they would record and apparently someone had made a comment about another mother's mother in, in a rap song and that sparked uh multiple shootings wow what are some of the other crimes that have happened fairly recently that maybe have been solved that uh, have not gone to court yet but have been a big concern for people in different areas of, of the city um we touch on the Dollar General yes. case. That'd be a good one. I did update that. Yeah. About a lot. And which which Dollar General did this crime occur at? It was at the Halls Hill Pike, um, and the, that one occurred uh, last year. And I'm I'm sorry. Uh, That's all right. While he's getting those notes, yeah. Scott, you, if you recall this case, um, it got a lot of um, attention because it was 
in a situation where the clerk at a, at a store, not at the Dollar General, but there's a uh, market there in the general vicinity, and gentleman comes in, uh, looks like just a normal customer going in to do some shopping, and then uh, what we uh, ascertain to be some type of struggle rob- slash robbery, uh, the clerk winds up being shot. He uh, and the person, the suspect, leaves, and we have even have a vehicle, known type of vehicle, left in. But unfortunately, um, for several uh, months, we were uh, having trouble locating a who the suspect was and a possible location, even with those pieces of information. And a lot of it was even, as you said, caught on camera. But it was just a uh, difficult case to put together. But uh, Sergeant Abbott, as he can tell, they've. They've done a lot of work in that case because, uh, again, seemingly just a total random crime uh, for a very just innocent, presumable victim. And uh, like I said, those are not the norms that we typically see. But I'll uh, let Sergeant Abbott kind of tell more about how that case finally developed and maybe some of the obstacles that they ran into while they were trying to solve that. So that was on Halls Hill Pike. And again, this was, was it last year? Yes, sir. Now, in that one, that's not a murder. That was a cl- the clerk was shot. He survived in that right. in that case. Um, we did have another one. It was at the Dollar General. Um, there at Halls Hill Pike, though. But I'll, I'll talk. I'm about sorry. That I one didn't. First. Mean, I'm bleed, I bled those two together, Scott. I apologize. <laughs> that's why. That's why we brought Sergeant Abbott because he has got all the details. Well, now, I'm trying uh, to think where the Dollar General is on Halls Hill Pike. How far down? Um, once you. I guess leave the MTSU campus and head out of town down Halls Hill Pike. All right. So once you turn on uh, turn turn off of Hall, on the Halls Hill Pike off of Rutherford, um, it's about uh, maybe a quarter mile on the left. It's uh, right there by Journey Drive, um, and that that's going to be uh, where the Dollar General sits right there on that corner. Uh, in, in the incident that 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 we were talking about the homicide part, and I'll talk about the store part as well. Um, but during the incident, uh, a gentleman by the name of Marquise Turner uh, was killed there on September the 8th of 2019. Uh, apparently, MTSU had just had a football game here, and, and they were having a party uh, at a uh, club there on Halls Hill Pike. That's right there on the edge of the city, county city limits. Um, and, and Mr. Turner and them, the, the county had just shut down the party because it is in their jurisdiction. And so the party had been shut down. People were leaving. Uh, numerous cars were in the, I mean, Halls Hill Pike looked like a parking lot, literally, um, when I was looking at reviewing some of the video. Uh, and in this case, Mr. Turner, who was just a random, uh, he was another, he was there with some friends. He was actually out of Chicago. Uh, he'd come down to see with some friends, uh, and, and they went to the football game and wound up at this party that night. And Mr. Turner was... Uh, walking back to his car along with some friends when apparently the friends got into an altercation with uh, some other people that was leaving the party they did not know it was a complete stranger on stranger situation Um, during that investigation we did numerous uh, uh, we did cell tire dumps and things of that nature and 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 reviewed video we interviewed folks. Um, we actually did find, locate the vehicle that we believe had been involved, or we found a vehicle that we thought, after we started investigating, may have been involved. Uh, and, and through that investigation, it led to the arrest of Khalil Smith, who was arrested, or I'm sorry, Khalil Smith, 
who was arrested just in the last few weeks uh, by our detective Cody Thomas. Uh, who's with the Crimes Against Persons Unit. And uh, I, I can say this is Detective Thomas worked countless hours on that case, numerous trips to Atlanta to interview folks uh, because that's where some of the uh, uh, witnesses, things are uh, individual. Matter of fact, Mr. Smith wound up being taken into custody and was being held uh, down in uh, Atlanta uh, on federal charges. So that particular crime, that occurred again when? Uh, that was on uh, September of 2019. So back in 2019, basically you have a party that got out of hand. It was shut down by the sheriff's department. Next thing you know, folks walking to their car. And then this man shot and killed over an argument with people he didn't know. Correct. And and, and based on kind of where we're, what we understand of the case, um, it does not even appear that he was even involved arguing he may have just been walking by as as some of these people and his friends were arguing with these individuals and he just he was shot by a stray bullet and again what was his name and how old was he uh he was um hang on here i've got it and, and this is the guy who was from chicago in town Mark, visiting. Yeah, he's from illinois uh right outside chicago we say chicago uh, marquise turner and mr turner was in his early 20s this stuff you know it, it happens every year we hear something about a murder i mean there's i don't think there's been a year that's gone by that we haven't seen a murder of some kind but when it involves somebody who wasn't even involved in the initial argument or you know altercation of whatever it was um it's just it's crazy to hear about that and it makes it i'm sure even harder for his family in this case to really comprehend and understand uh it was i mean especially the fact that he'd just come down here to see some friends and, and this happened um you know, of course, his family was uh, very understanding, know, knowing the situation we were up against. Again, like I said, we had we had three witnesses who were sitting in another car behind all of this, and as the, the, the immediately after hearing the gunshots, they got down. So we pieced. So they they did not know anybody involved. They could not give us any names. They barely could give us any descriptions. Um, and so we were able to piece this together from some parts of the car that got shot off out there at the scene um or well it, let me rephrase that during the shooting the vehicle suspect flee vehicle tried to flee and struck another vehicle so we we pieced this together starting with car parts cell phone data um and and finding the the suspect vehicle and then from there building and identifying individuals to the point of DNA, fingerprints, uh, and, and interviews of individuals and working closely with, with our, uh, the Special Investigations Division uh, of our department. Um, because uh, during this time period, there was individuals that were involved uh, that we knew that may have some drug charges. And so th throughout that entire investigation, it, it came together. Basically, it's, it's a lot of work when you have a case like that, when, when nobody knows anybody and uh, it's a complete stranger. But we can build those cases, and we're, 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 we're fairly successful at it. So the suspect vehicle that fled after the shooting took place, did that belong to the actual shooter? It belonged to his friend. Okay, so the, I guess they were together? Yes. Uh, but one, was he from the Atlanta area? Because you were saying that you had to go there to actually interview some of the folks. Uh, no, he was actually not from the Atlanta area. Um, but he was actually, that's where he wound up going uh, 
when he got taken into custody on some other charges, we learned that he had been picked up during during our investigation. And so we began trying to interview him regarding the case and had to go to Atlanta to interview him. Uh, and one of the other issues we ran into during this investigation, I mean, and, and I ain't going to beat this horse to death, but COVID. I mean, that was part of the problem that we had with this case. Uh, we, uh, we, we got held up for, for a few months not just being able to interview certain people because we needed to get into correctional facilities and it was difficult to get into those with COVID and, and the lockdown. Again, Sergeant James Abbott with the Murfreesboro Police Department. We are going to take a short break and we will come right back. Time right now, 848. You're tuned in to WGNS again on this Wednesday morning. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. True American hero, Norm Elzir. We talked to a World War II veteran. What would be the closest moment to death? Was that being shot down that one time? Were you ever oh, captured or anything like no, that? No, we weren't captured. I landed in a tree and I was unconscious. I woke up, there were three rifles pointed at me. Strange uniforms. One guy says, Englishki, Amerikanski, Germanski. And I said, American. And he cut me down and hugged me. These were the Chetney people that took care of us. That was really something. There was a guy by the name of General Draza Mihalovich, general of the king's army, and the king was deposed by the Tito, the communist. But this general told his people, you take care of the Americans. He always did that. Tell us how you got rescued. A gentleman by the name of Vajoinovich, he was in the OSS, which is the CIA today. They had put together this idea of coming in and getting us with airplanes. They come in with C-47s. Each C-47 had six P-51 escorts. And they come in, it was about one in the morning, and I was on the first plane out because I was sick at the time. That's what this book, The Forgotten 500, refers to. They actually flew out over time, 500, saved us. And all of our names, there were rescues in the back of that book. This has been a Salute to Veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County but will always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSradio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. 
Time right now, 8.51. You're listening to WGNS and representatives from the Murfreesboro Police Department in studio with us this morning. We have Lieutenant Clayton Williams, Sergeant James Abbott, and Public Information Officer Larry Flowers. So as we start off this next part of the program, and we only have around eight minutes or so left, uh, are there any other cases that are currently being worked that you're still needing a lot of clues on, or are there any recently closed cases where we're going to see a case go to trial here soon? Uh, well, I, you, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I know that Friday y'all will have the DA here, and uh, and I'll let them speak to the trial process and when, when the cases will be going to trial. Um, I can say that uh, you know we have um, we are actively pursuing uh, an individual. We have active warrants on him for the arrest of Barrow Webb, uh, which took place in April of this year. Uh, that is Apollo Cantrell. Uh, so if anybody has any information on Mr. Cantrell, they can go to our website uh, and see where we've we've posted uh, bolos or, or be on the lookout for him, Mr. Cantrell. And, and that's the one that took place on Middle Tennessee Boulevard that is at the little pizza restaurant. That's correct. Okay. Um, and uh, we have started uh, making arrests. I can't really go into a lot of detail due to the fact that it is involving some juveniles. Uh, but we have started making arrests on the Leaf Avenue homicide that took place on May the 31st. Um, so this year, uh, so far this year, we have we have uh, we have made arrests on all of our homicides that that have occurred so far this year. Now that Leaf Avenue case, kind of refresh us. Tell us what that involved and what happened. Uh, that's going to be the case involving the young lady who was found uh, in a vehicle burning. Uh, she was uh, later determined to have been shot and killed. Um, and the vehicle had, had veered off the road and, and came to a rest in a yard and, and, and caught on fire. Um, that happened there at Leaf and Huntwood area. So was it thought that she was already deceased once that fire broke out? We are still determining that. We're still waiting for the final uh, medical examiner uh, to uh, uh, medical examiner to uh, make those final determinations. But again, uh, has an arrest been made in that case? We've made one arrest. Uh, we we are actively pursuing another individual. We have warrants on, and and then again, we also have another individual we're still looking at, and uh, and and probably will be charging very soon. And are there any other recent arrests that have been made, and any other murders that we've heard about in the last couple of years? Uh, well, I mean, so I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with. Uh, Carlos Vasquez homicide took place on Severe Street. That that was back in March. Uh, Mr. Vasquez, originally we uh, took into custody of Marquise Perkins. Uh, Mr. Perkins was charged. He's the individual who stole the car and tried to flee the area and wrecked. And, and there was a police pursuit after uh, uh, trying to stop him. Uh, Mr. Perkins, since then we've arrested another individual. Uh, unfortunately, I, I do not have his information here in front of me, but we've arrested a second individual uh, on that case as well. Uh, so that individual has been taken or is in custody, and, and uh, Detective Chris Pate was the lead detective on that case. Um, and, and so we're, we're working on that now. He's still working on that case. Um, but we've had was able to make a second arrest on that case as well, uh, a co-conspirator. 
Um, and that was a murder that took place on Severe Street earlier Severe. this year. Yes, March of this year. And, and the victim in that case, again, what was his name? Uh, Carlos Vasquez. Was he from Murfreesboro? He was actually not from Murfreesboro. He originally is from, uh, he was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Smyrna area. Okay. Uh, now, so he lived in Murfreesboro now. that's He was killed at his residence. Okay. Outside or inside the house? Uh, he was killed outside the house uh, at his residence um, with his uh, girlfriend and uh, and their child watching home. You, you know, when you hear about murders in Murfreesboro, when you hear about a murder in any city, you were saying earlier it's usually a case where the victim had some type of run-in with a suspect they knew each other they did business together whatever it may be but it's usually not a random situation it, it's not uh, that's that's the one good thing about many of ours in Murfreesboro and, and if, if there is a good thing to say about it I mean it's it's a violent crime we don't want them um, and I can say that honestly I mean if you look at our numbers and you look at other cities um, and I, I look at other cities and I talk to other people from other agencies and and I'll say this is our, our numbers are, are, are really uh, any violent crime is one too many but our numbers looking at ours and, and, and the rest of the state I, I think we're in a really good position with violent crime in this city um, you, but going back to that is yes um, the one good thing I can really say is, is that a lot of times our violent crimes are not the stranger on stranger crime so it does give us some information to start going on uh, at that point. And also, um, you know, another uh, added advantage to the fact that it's not a um, stranger on stranger type crime is there's less threat to the public in those kind of situations. Um, you know, this is not someone where someone's just preying on individuals or in innocent individuals. Uh, in the neighborhood. When you look at bigger cities such as Chicago, Atlanta, those types areas, uh, you do have, I guess, a higher number of stranger-on-stranger stranger murder cases, you know, where it's a robbery or, or a burglary, but you do see more of that, I guess. You do. You do in, the, in those larger cities like that. Uh, even Nashville has probably quite a few of those type of crimes, and, and those are very difficult cases to solve. Again, time right now, 8.58. We only have about a minute and a half left. So as we close out this morning, if anybody has any details on any of the current crimes or cases that you've talked about, what do they need to do? Uh, they need to call the Murfreesboro Police Department uh, Criminal Investigation Division at 615-893-2717. They can also email Murfreesboro, or it's a crime tips at, crime tips at murfreesborotn.gov. If they want to remain anonymous, do we still have Crime Stoppers here? We are in the process of, um, you know, kind of revamping that. So at this point, uh, we're not giving out that Crime Stopper number for for um, tips. So that's why we've uh, gone with Crime Tips right now. So uh, in the future, we'll we'll be able to unveil that. And are there any current rewards being offered for any cases? If somebody has information and and they want to get a reward for it uh, not at this moment so I guess just check back with Murfreesboro police and that'll be updated as uh, time goes on with whatever case it may be yes sir. well thank you for joining us this morning thanks
Thank you. Again, on air with us this morning, we've had Lieutenant Clayton Williams, Sergeant James Abbott, and Public Information Officer Larry Flowers, all from the Murfreesboro Police Department. Time right now, 8.59, a check on the weather. Then coming up next, news, local news, followed by news from around the country with CBS. Again, the time right now, 8.59. Overnight, Good Neighbor Talk turns the UFOs, aliens, the unknown. It's Coast to Coast AM overnight, every night on WGNS Murfreesboro.